to Grizz Grace, the Coaching Tree Podcast bonus episode for Blaine Taylor. We have now one of uh, the legendary Grizz basketball players that played for Coach Taylor, Sean Samuelson, joining us. And Sean, thank you so much for being with us. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Well, absolutely. We're certainly happy to have you here. And I'm interested about this. You grew up in mighty Broadus, Montana, and uh, the ninth seat in the county, remarkably, one way or another. How did you get from from you know southeastern Montana to the radar of you know the University of Montana and play playing basketball? What was your first experience in Missoula and uh, and having an opportunity in this town? You know, actually, my first experience in Missoula would have been uh, the summer between um, my junior year and my senior year. I went to Grizz Camp, and that was really my first first experience being in Missoula. Like the cage camps, I assume, something like that. Was that when, when you were there and you were playing, did the coaches say, hey, you know, we, we, we think we, you got something, we'd like to, to see more of it? Or how did that go when you went through that process? Well, they had invited me to uh, uh, Grizz Camp, obviously, and, and, you know, one of my close friends, Chris Foya, was, was there as well. And we, you know, obviously played together. So it was, it was one where, where I could be involved with the program and, and see it. But then also we were able to, to play against, you know, a lot of the Grizz greats that were playing during that time, Darren Englant, Roger Fastings, um, guys like that while, while we were in high school. So you had some family ties on the other side of the rivalry though, right? Yeah. So I, you know, growing up and, and I'll, I, I have to state this, but one of the greatest guys I ever played against was my dad and, and, Tremendous athlete, jumped out of the gym, you know, never got, you know, he, he never left the family ranch, but could have played uh, a variety of places. And his youngest brother was uh, an All-American uh, offensive lineman for the Bobcats right in between their, their national title years. And so what was it about Montana with, you know, at least some tie certainly to Montana State that you said, okay, this is where I want to go? Was that really just the one place that went? And what was it about maybe Blaine Taylor that you remember that kind of stood out to you that you said, okay, that's what I, that's what I want to do. I want to go be a Grizz. Well, I, I, I will tell you, Blaine, Blaine is a, a hell of a recruiter for, yeah. for one thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, aside from that, just the group of guys that were there, the community support atmosphere, you know, it it really, it just all came together for me that it just felt like, you know, that's where I needed to be. What was Blaine selling at that time? Because he's always selling something. Blaine wasn't going to let me out of his coach's office until I committed. (laughs) (laughs) So so kidnapping is a very effective strategy. Is that what you're telling us, Sean? I I think he was just seeing how patient I could be because I think he would have stayed there all night. So. But no, it, 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 you know, all joking aside, it was it just just everything about it felt right. And I look back, you know, retrospectively, and and it was a hundred percent the right fit for me. Felt it then, and, and I feel still feel it now. Throughout your career at the University of Montana, you had a prolific scoring career. You finished in the top ten in scoring in Montana history at the time that you were all done. What was it that worked for you, and and in the system, maybe in terms of what what Coach Taylor ran, and and to be so successful, and and especially as a score that like you were, you know that the, the system obviously worked. I mean, Blaine, you know, when you look at different things, Blaine was um, very strategic. 
offensively, defensively, uh, his knowledge of the, the game and and understanding, you know, just some of the simple things and, and doing them right. Obviously, he liked to get the ball inside and set up plays that allowed guys like Matt Kempfert, myself, I mean, to get those those touches. Um, so definitely the system helped. But, you know, aside from that, you know, the, the work ethic that I that I brought, you know, to practice in games, uh, that also helped as well. I remember well, I grew up in Missoula, and I was a kid when you guys were playing, and I remember watching you and loving those teams. But one thing that really sticks out to me about some of those Blaine Taylor teams in the mid-'90s was how many great Montana guys you had. You mentioned Chris Spoya. He was from Helena. You, know, you Yourself, you're from Broadus. You had J.R. Camel a little later on. He was a great player from – um, Ronan by way of St. I guess St. Ignatius by way of then Missoula Hellgate, and there was so many good guys. Ryan Dick was a great player from Montana. Kirk Walker, I think, was from Montana. Too. I mean, all almost every guy that comes to mind was from Montana, and it seems like Matt Camford. What's that? Yeah, Matt Camford. Oh, Matt, Matt Camford, of course. Jeremy Lake. Yep. Um, Matt Sidensticker. There's just you know, Bob Olson. Uh, yeah, we had a lot of Montana guys. Mike Warhank. Mm-hmm. A lot of Montana guys um, throughout the, that time frame, for sure. And then it seemed like there was a, a little gap there where uh, for a, a little while in the late 90s into the mid-2000s, and not a lot of Montana guys were getting a chance. I think it is probably the coaches maybe not believing in the Montana kids as much, but also recruiting, expanding, and maybe Montana itself as a basketball state took a dip. I know there was some guys like Jack McGillis who went out of state, but – what is it about Montana kids? What's it like being a Montana kid playing for the program? And then now it's sort of come full circle for you with your son Jared playing for the Grizz, and there's been sort of a renaissance in Montana kids playing at Montana as well. Well, like the the, the guys that I played with and, and myself, you know, included, it, you know, there is a sense of pride. You know, you have Montana across your chest when, you're, when you come out and, and you're playing, and there's a tremendous amount of pride wearing that um, being from Montana and playing for Montana and pretty much everyone that, that is from the state that I played with felt the same way. You know, this is so interesting. You were very close and maybe even a year of overlap with current Grizz coach, Travis DeCure. It may have been just right after. Were, were, were you on the same team at the same time when he was a senior and you were a freshman or was it just after that? So I played with Travis um, my freshman and sophomore year. Oh, wow. He so was he he was the guard that I was referring to that that would get us the the looks inside. He, he was he was pretty here. good at that, from what I understand. And so you you played with Travis for two years, and now your son is playing for Travis as a, you know a coach player. Obviously, what do you remember about Travis? You know, as not just as a player in terms of what he did on the floor, but as a as a guy who knew basketball. And what's it like for you now to have your own son playing for your former teammate? Well, I mean, words words really can't express how I feel about about my son and playing for Trav. But what I remember about Trav was, I mean, ultra competitive, um, you know, a huge competitor by nature, leader, point guard that, you know, just we're going to get everyone in, in, you know, where they need to be. Um, so can't say, say enough good about my memories about playing with him as well and then you know you you fast forward and you know my son's wrapping up his this is his 
final run and a lot of uh, proud dad moments that, that I guess is the easiest way to say how I feel about where he's at and being back in Montana. It's pretty cool. We had a great time interviewing Jared for the ESPN Roundtable, which is our long-form interview that appears on ESPN Radio every week. Anybody that's listening to this, you can go check that out, 1029ESPN.com. But Jared took us for about 27 minutes all the way through his whole his whole journey, and it's a great story, and I think that my favorite part of it is the fact that Jared really, he stuck with it and is now really proving that you can go out on top. I know he's struggled with the knee a little bit, but when he's healthy, he's become a great weapon for this Montana team. He's made them so much harder to guard with his ability to shoot the three. So just this senior season and watching him evolve as a basketball player, Sean, what's that been like to watch, especially considering the time he spent at Rocky back in Billings and now returning to Montana for his final year? When I got the call that he's like, Dad, something's not right with my knee. And when I knew that he was going to need to get uh, surgery before, I'm like, I just hope he has an opportunity to, to – he's going to be in pain. I know he's going to be in pain all season long having that knee surgery, but I was just wanting him to get a, an opportunity to feel somewhat decent so he can contribute and, and play. And So I've, I've only missed a couple conference games. And I, I'm not going to miss any uh, here on out. So it's unreal in a way to, to watch him at Rocky and the success that he had. And even the success he had as a youngster for the Grizz, you know, while he was there his first season. And to see his growth and the positivity and the camaraderie that, that he shares with his teammates, it's priceless, really. When you talk to Travis now, a lot of parents of players, you know, that's their only interaction with Travis or their their only sort of relationship with Coach DeCure is to have him be the coach that has recruited their child and that their son is now playing for him, and so they have that sort of interface. But you have this history where you guys were teammates before, and so is there a little bit more, I don't know whether it's reflection or just sort of, uh, you know, you know, friendship maybe, something like that that you guys have when, when, uh, when you get a chance to sit down and, and chat a little bit. I know that's probably not happening all the time anyways but is there is there is it fun for you to have that history with the guy who's coaching your son oh absolutely and you know it's it, we're at a spot where you know i'm i'm want to be respectful for him i know what what he's what he's done with this this group of guys and um so yeah when we when we do have an opportunity to talk we don't talk a lot about basketball we talk about you know other things but for the most part i've i've kind of let him focus on what what he's doing now and once the season wraps up I'm sure we'll catch up you know a little differently than we've been able to this season well on the outside looking in I'm sure he appreciates that perspective from you I mean it's not all parrots you know they want to get in there with the whiteboard sometimes uh, you know what I mean <laughs> well when when Jared was younger I was probably no different and than that description but you know it also gets to a point where it's you know his senior year and he's loving it and the team is doing great. And, and you look at, you know, I've been around a lot of different teams and, and I haven't seen as many teams as that are as tight knit as this, this group of guys that, that Trav and his coaching staff has, has got assembled right now. I mean, they're great kids they are great people. They all get along. It's, it's pretty remarkable, really. And I know that uh, 
Trav might have a little bit of a hard time admitting this, but I think so much of it is the fact that you have three guys from Montana that are really living their dream. And so with the second round of the rivalry on the horizon with Montana playing on Montana State, I mean, you watched Kendall Manuel, I'm sure, and, and Billings going against Jared. I know they played in that state championship game. Mac Anderson, he talked about how he idolized Jared growing up, and that was the thing that really made him want to uh, follow in Jared's footsteps and become a Grizz as well. So um, just the fact that there's not just your sub, but also other guys that are kind of carrying the flag for the state, that must even add to this experience for you. Oh, it's it's amazing. You know, it, they played down at Omaha, and it, it wasn't a, a good game for the Grizz. Um, right before Christmas in terms of the outcome. But, you know, Jared, he's like, we're going to have, I think they had three Montana guys starting. And that's the first first time that, the, you know, in quite a while that there's been three on the court starting a game at the same time. So to see Kendall, the success that he's had, absolutely. You know, um, I was so excited for Mac after his Idaho game. And um, it just, you're you're spot on. You, when you have Montana guys um, that are doing well and contributing, uh, plus they're having fun, it's it's great to see. Well, Sean, we certainly appreciate you joining us here on uh, the Grizz Greats podcast and uh, and sharing your thoughts about your time, Blaine Taylor, and the lineage in general that is uh, that is ongoing for the Samuelson family at the University of Montana. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. I, I'm happy to do it and appreciate you guys calling me grizz greats the coaching tree podcast is brought to us by our friends at stockman's bar colter stockman's bar has been a staple in downtown missoula for well ever as far as i'm aware and they have certainly been supporting montana athletics and montana basketball for a long time in fact an absolutely outstanding documentary called The House That Rob Built, chronicling the life and times as a head coach and, in general, the influence on women's basketball and basketball in general of Robin Selvig was released and the documentary post party, not surprisingly at all, hosted and held at Stockman's Bar. 130 former Lady Grizz came to the debut of that film and then most of them went and enjoyed some delicious draft beers or maybe a cocktail and, of course, Dobie's teriyaki. The history and lineage of University of Montana men's basketball is literally written on the walls there. Literally. I was reading an article about Mike and Donnie Larson's father, who started Stockman's Bar way back in the day. This article was from the Missoulian circa, I think, 1979. Wow. And it was talking all about his allegiance to Grizz Hoops, his love of Judd Heathcote and Jim Brandenburg. What a perfect connection to the University of Montana men's basketball program. They've always been supporters, both in terms of employing student-athletes and supporting the team. And you can find the Grizz team stopping in there for lunch at Dobie's Teriyaki quite often on the, when they go on their upcoming road trips as well. Stockman's Bar from open to close. They have $3 beers, and if you get yourself some Dobie's, they even have $2 beers. But the beers are always cold, and they have a variety. It's not just domestics. It's not just a couple crafts. It's every beer that is on tap. They also have drink specials throughout the week. And, of course, they still got poker going on in the back as well. So head on down to Stockman's Bar. Fierce supporters of the University of Montana men's basketball program for more than 50 years.